right, it's Sunday, August 19th. Welcome to episode 2 of the Dogecast. I think we, uh, I think we might have solved our audio problems, hopefully. I guess we'll find out after we're done recording this, but I'm looking at the waveform in front of us, and it's looking, it's looking kind of spicy. Looking nice and strong. Yeah, good. Um, we're basically gotta eat these mics. It's my favorite flavor is Boom. Um, yeah, it seems the last issue uh, with our uh, with our cast was that we were getting a little bit too leisurely, and we were kind of sitting back and not very close to these microphones. So uh, now that we're closer to the mics, we're getting uh, we're getting good results. And Macy is walking around, as you can see, if you're watching the video uh, of this episode. And uh, hopefully, she doesn't knock any of these wires over because, well, that's my main concern: is wires. Uh, anyway, how are you this week, Matt? How's your week been so far? extremely busy oh yeah i know you haven't been around much except yeah. for stuff for the cast really so we'll talk a- more about it later but um last week we no! talked about the battle for <laughs> the battle for azeroth expansion hey, that's for... why there's a towel on the for those of you who, who are listening to just the audio i just spilled my drink and that is why there is a towel on the coffee table oh my gosh macy Okay, so we last week we talked about the new World of Warcraft expansion came out on Tuesday, and um, so I've been playing that religiously, uh, essentially. Oh my god. <laughs> Alright, well, that's two times this was knocked over. You're not going to have any drink uh, by the end of this. Yeah, no, also sorry for the uh, ruffling you might have heard because the uh, mic was rubbing against my chest as I attempted to save my leg from being soaked by spiked Arnold Palmer once more, but that's two times now that this is spilled over, so maybe that's uh, some unfortunate foreshadowing. Anyway, continue about your week, sorry. Th- th- by oh, the way, no, this no, is no. how my week's been going. Arnold Palmer's fallen over. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, other than that, I found out that one of my classes didn't get signed up for properly, so I've been, I have to feel, figure that out this week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Classes start uh, tomorrow, which I'm uh, definitely not looking forward to uh, myself. I've been at a class for a solid three months now. And, uh, and, uh, and quite enjoyed my time off, uh, during those three months, but I guess it's time to get back in the swing of things and, uh, head off to the graduate program. I'm just watching Macy, uh, lick up the spiked honor and pun. Hey, 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 stop. You're going to have a leave drunk, it. drunk dog. No, I won't. Leave it. Leave it. I know it tastes good. Leave it. <laughs> All right. Leave it, you fatty. <laughs> All righty. All right. So, I mean... Uh, I guess, you know, in terms of me, I've been uh, dealing with Macy uh, quite a bit this week because, yeah. because uh, as some people may know, she recently injured her leg. She tore her uh, CCL. It's called the ACL in humans. It's a ligament in her knee. And uh, basically, she has to have a brace. She's walking around sneezing right now. Basically, she has to have a brace on uh, all the t- like, and it has to like, I have to take it on and, and put it back on. Yeah, I've seen and you take put it, it off on. and put it back on. I mean. Yeah, and because you're supposed to, like, wean them onto it 30 minutes at a time until they can wear it all day straight. And so I've got all this timing issues going on with it. Like, I'm going out and doing stuff. I got to be home to take the brace off or, I, you know, I got to meet my parents for something, but I got to put the brace on. So, I mean, I've been dealing with her, her rehabilitation basically all week and getting ready for classes next week. And yeah, I've stuff seen for the you cast. put that on and it's not exactly a two minute task. No, it's, yeah, it's about five minutes, especially now since I have to put like, I have to put like gauze tape around her leg because at first it was like chafing. Uh, because it's kind of like a one size fits all. It's like small, medium, or large, right? Yeah. But a medium sized yeah. dog can range from 
40, 35 pounds to 70 pounds. There's a lot of different dogs and their leg shape is different. And have, some dogs are fat, some dogs are skinny. So the brace is medium size, but it has to be the, uh, one size fits all deal. So there is some space between the brace and her leg and it was chafing. So I had to put a bunch of medical tape around her leg to stop the chafing. So now it's a whole surgical procedure to get the damn thing on, but um, it's actually improving her for those who care and are out there uh, paying attention to Macy's condition. She's doing a lot better. Uh, her leg is recovering. She's putting more weight on it. And uh, according to her follow-up doctor visit, in the next 14 days, we'll know if she'll need surgery or not. Uh, it'll become, of course, it's always an option. But other than that, that's what's, uh, that's what's going on in my life is, well, that's pretty much what's always going on in my life is the dog. So the dog, yeah, yeah. exactly. The dog and and in classes. Yeah. So so. Forever. How, oh yeah. Also, uh, we both did this though. Uh, we both signed up for uh, the AMC Stubbs A List, essentially yeah. AMC's version of Movie Pass. Um, for those of you out there who don't know about this or are curious about it, so AMC kind of doing a deal like MoviePass did, where MoviePass was a service where you can sign up for it and then you pay a monthly fee. They send you a card in the mail and then you can go see one movie a day, um, basically all year, as long as, as long as you were paying for the service. Uh, it started out at thirty bucks a month, then it dropped to twenty, and then eventually it dropped down to the price everyone knows it for now, which is ten. Which is bankrupt, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Which is bankrupt exactly. Well, it turns out that they couldn't handle the amount. They just couldn't handle what they put out there. Everyone was taking too much advantage of the, of the situation. So, AMC decided to follow up with a similar movie pass kind of deal, but AMC's pass is only for AMC movie theaters, and you can't go every single day. You can only see three movies per week, but you can see movies in IMAX. You can see movies in 3D. You can basically there's basically a, it's unlimited what you can do with AMC's pass as yeah. long as it's at an AMC theater. Yeah, I mean, I I, I was pretty happy with it because. Unfortunately, the instructions for it weren't very clear, and we stood in the line for, like, what, you'd say, like, 10 minutes? Yeah, we were in line for about 10 minutes. I think, uh, I think the signing up process was easy. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. actually getting... Because I heard the signing up process for movie pass is annoying because you got to wait for the card to come in the mail and all that junk. But I felt like I literally just opened the app on my phone while I was walking Macy and signed up. And I was like, what movie do you want to see? And I was like, oh, cool. Like, And they also sign you up for like the rewards program too. So any money you spend on concessions, you can scan the app, this little uh, IR code that comes up. You can scan it at the concession stand and you get points as if you were, you know, getting points for concessions through any of their other programs. It's basically like an all-encompassing yeah, and, program. Yeah, and the cool thing I found out from a friend about that rewards program is the Stubbs uh, $20 a month for the movies counts towards that reward. So every oh, month cool. you'll get those, those dollars you're spending towards that rewards. Uh, hashtag not an ad, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we wish. But, yeah, uh, I know, exactly. But yeah, so it was actually pretty easy because once you made your reservation for the ticket, you kind of just walked in and they just scanned the QR code and you already had your ticket. So you already picked your seat online prior and then you just kind of walk in and you're done you don't have to wait in the line or anything for a ticket which wasn't clear so we stood in line for about 10 minutes and then we found out that we could just go on in which is great uh yeah. what, did, what did we what was the first movie we saw yeah, we're gonna be talking about that later we decided to use our amc pass to go see an absolute blockbuster of a film and that would be the new slender man which we talked about on the last episode um yeah we'll get into that later it was definitely slender, all right. There was a lot of man in it. A lot of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but other than that, 
in terms of uh, what's going on in, in, in life. I'm addicted to Monster Hunter World. We're going to be talking about that later, too. Mm-hmm. And I'm addicted to... All right, come on. Now, I, I, I like anime. All right? And I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. If, Hi, if Andrew. To, if you listen to exactly, if you listen to the first episode, but I tend to be addicted to the shonen genre of anime, which is those targeted towards uh, adolescent teen males. Uh, that's literally what the genre is supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, for. yeah, I know. It's just funny saying it out. Loud. Yeah, it's funny saying it out. It's well, it's funny acknowledging what the target audience is and realizing you've been watching it your whole life. So. But it, I, I don't give a shit. You know, Shonen is the shit. Shonen, you know, Naruto is the shit. And speaking of Naruto, what I'm talking about right now is my addiction to Boruto, the follow-up to Shippuden. And I have to say, I didn't like it at first. I really like it now. And the reason why I really like it is probably not because of the new stuff, like the new characters, like Boruto yeah. and all that. I do like some of the new characters. But I really just like seeing what happened to everyone from Naruto and Naruto Shippuden. Like, I like but, seeing the old characters as adults. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, <laughs> I guess the uh, 1500 episodes of the, the first series wasn't enough, so we needed to get more character development for those th- those characters in, in, the, in the form of their children, who somehow are all the same age of the previous characters, so I guess they just had a meetup. Yeah, I guess. You know, um... It was very convenient uh, marital statuses that went on in the Leaf Village too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> um, I have I've been only watching um, uh, Overlord. I've I've actually fallen behind in Boruto, but you're still catching up. So it's yeah, not I'm only halfway it. through it. What is Overlord about? It's it's a uh, the uh, not a shonen, but the other um, trash of the uh, the anime community, which is called Isekai, oh, which yeah, okay. is you're transported to another world. Blah 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 usually video game related but um this one's really good it's really good is so, it though yeah so the main character is not the hero essentially i think he's more like the villain of the story okay he plays <laughs> so it's a video game related so he okay, plays so like as, sword art online essentially yeah. yes but instead of playing as a human he plays as an undead skeleton so obviously all the humans in the universe are like that's a skeleton yeah and but he's also <laughs> formally maxed level and everything so he's trying to figure out what's going on at the same time he's just bodying every single enemy he comes across because it's like i'm the most famous warrior in this kingdom and they're essentially like a level 25 and he's a level 100 oh my god but anyway it's 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 fun because he's the villain i think is its main hook villain or like would you say anti-hero uh i mean would you say villain like i would say i I would say it distinctly describes him as more of a villain. It even goes so far to say, like, he doesn't have empathy to people being slaughtered in front of him because wow, okay. he's, like, literally a skeleton. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I don't feel anything. Like, verbally, he, he says that. And <laughs> so, I mean, there's there's several points where characters, like, the demons that he has under his command are like, should we use them for experimentation? He says, go for it. So he really is essentially just a villain in the story. Which is kind of so fun. Yeah, he has no moral, like positive no, no, no. moral code. A- exactly so he's chaotic, what so chaotic you, evil. If we we're going in pre- D pre- terms, pretty much. If, okay. If he was, <laughs> if you were playing as an elder lich as a character in D anD D, all right, I can get behind that. That's essentially his character. Okay. Like a level one hundred elder lich. Hell and, yeah! And that it's fun. It, it's a lot of fun. I, I'm. Were you, there, were you in the Discord when I? You mentioned lich. Were you in the Discord when we were talking about becoming a lich? No, I was not. Yeah, so the question was, would you do it? Because essentially, for those who don't know, a lich is when like someone who's mastered a specific school of magic so much 
and they want to continue to study that school of magic that they not well it's also an advanced technique where they're able to store their soul essentially in a vessel known as a phylactery and then continue to study their school of magic as an undead when their time passes so would you do it what would your school what would your school of magic be if you were a lich first of all I guess well, you should answer, should you do it or not? Would you do it or not? I, I, I'm not sure because that would <laughs> kind of fundamentally change the the world in general if, like, magic of that caliber was possible. So, like, what would that mean for, like, religion? Like, is it just, like, I have the opportunity to just become a lich in the current world? Is that the question? Yes. Yes. You could right now. Let's say you, you were, it was kind of like Doctor Strange and Marvel. Like, some mystic group of people were like, hey, you want to do magic? And you were like fuck yeah i want to do magic and so they teach you their ways of magic and then you study this your entire life and then all of a sudden you know they're like hey by the way if you want to make yourself undead and study magic forever you can do that and here's how but it's like some weird back alley in like downtown like would so, you do, would you do so it? i would still live my normal life i just don't become an undead right no, you become undead when you're a lich. Liches no, no, no I meant like I was studying magic, so I went through my life normally. Yeah, you're gonna go through your life normally studying magic, and then I, if you're I like, would, I would probably do it. And then you can, can, can you, the my, whole point of becoming a lich is to continue to study your school of magic forever. Can, can my school of magic be like esports? Like, can I just become known as like <laughs> an esports pro? Like, I'm just a skeleton walking into the Dota 2 International, which you is happening always, this week. You just always, yeah, the Dota 2 International is happening. Wow, I couldn't even say International. The Dota 2 International is happening this week. But you did the Magic Pixel. Yes. This all, that's your power. You're just always at the Magic Pixel and you, your pony can't figure out why you won't die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then you go on to be a lich and you just do that forever. You for, you become the forever, the ultimate troll. What did you? What was your school of magic? Oh, I studied in pissing people off on the internet and esports. Yeah, that would, um, be, that would be worth it. <laughs> I mean, hey, there's no rules to it. You can be whatever, whatever, whatever kind of fucking lich you want to be. So I don't know. I think it'd be. It's like, at what point do you become powerful enough to where like the government just wants to like put you in a box? Yeah. Well, by the time you're at the point of becoming a lich, I think the government is well beyond being able to stop you and put you in a box. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're already at the point of making skeletal versions of yourself that are. Macy just uh, unplugged Andrew's mic. Is it empty this time? No. Oh my god. No, it is empty. It was empty. Okay, okay. It was empty. So, I will observe Andrew, plug his mic back in, and uh, we'll find out if we just... Uh, 15 minutes of our life. It looks like it is working, but I'm not going to hold my breath. This, uh, the, the real question is, how long is it before uh, Macy knocks the mic over again? You know what? You know, I might actually just hold the microphone because this way, if I hold the microphone, I could actively move. I could actively move the wire out of the way of Macy, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I'll just look like a jackass this whole time until I figure out. What, <laughs> I guess I until I figure out what to do about Macy walking back and forth like she's lost. Um, well, she doesn't know where she is at, so. Yeah, I guess so. Well, no, she doesn't know what the hell is going on. Um, all right. So why don't we move, go ahead and move into... Uh, That's enough about anime and uh, imagining you're, a, you, you're an undead lich. Yeah, why don't we go ahead and go and move into uh, movies. Let's go ahead and move to the movies. I saw two movies this week. I saw Slenderman with you, and I saw Mile 22 today. Do you want to see... Do I got to be honest about... with you, you're looking kind of like... 
I'm kind of liking holding the mic because you're looking kind of stuck over there, and I can kind of move around as much as I want to with this thing. Um, do you want to talk about the one we saw together, or do you want to talk about yeah, what talk, you saw? I guess I'll talk about Mission, Mission 22. I guess I'll talk about Mile 22 first, and okay. then we'll talk about Slenderman. Give you some time to... So, like, I didn't actually see a trailer for this one at all. Okay. So, I'll tell you explain this. the overall plot without yeah, I'll spoilers. I'll give it to you. Oh, wait. Here, here's about to come the ultimate move. Those of you who are listening to the uh, to the audio are going to be able to see the ultimate podcast move right now. But I'm about to get comfy as fuck because I am holding the microphone. And here we fucking go. Hell yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, Mile 22's basic synopsis, such premise, is that there is this secret secret. <laughs> I promise you, it's not the spiked Arnold Palmer that's causing me to misspeak. It's watching Macy walk back and forth and being nervous. <laughs> okay. Um, it's about a secret government agency with the title of Overwatch. No, I'm not topical. Uh, very topical. Uh, and it's essentially about the, the head soldier honcho, like the best soldier that's in it and one of his missions. And it, it, they're trying to go for a trilogy with this movie series, by the way. They're trying to go through a trilogy, so that's one of the issues we'll talk about later, because I don't think it's going to end up working out to be a good trilogy. But essentially, the synopsis is there's a secret government agency, and it's called Overwatch, and uh, the movie opens up with, like, one... It's very typical, where they open up with, like, with one of their missions, just so you can get, like, a feel of, like, what the rest of the movie's going to be like. Yeah. Okay, so that's how it opens up, and then it moves on to into this plot where... They're in the movie takes place in Southeast Asia, so Overwatch is like an overseas American government special forces, and they're in Southeast Asia. And some random guy walks up to the embassy there with like a uh, a hard drive, and he's like, "I got some shit you want to see." And I'm trying to avoid the spoilers because they tell you what the shit is. But he's got like, I got some shit you're going to want, and you're going to want to see this, and only I know the password, and the disc is designed to self-destruct itself in eight hours, so you give me what you want, or I don't, you know, give you what's on this disc, and so the Overwatch agency is called in to help escort him 22 miles to the extraction point, hence why it's called Mile 22, and there's twists and turns and lots of action, and uh, that's essentially what the plot is, is that Mark Wahlberg is the star, by the way, and he's playing the head honcho, the big you know, badass, super experienced soldier. Mm -hmm. And it's his job, his team's mission to get this guy from point A to point B to be extracted because his request is to get asylum, to essentially become an American citizen. And I'm looking at the waveform right now in the... Yeah, you gotta hold it closer. Yeah, I gotta hold, definitely hold it closer. I'm probably gonna be really quiet for that part, but uh, oh well, we'll just... We'll it kinda, it's kind of weird timing to release that because it almost just sounds like a Mission Impossible movie. Oh, that is one of the biggest issues, is that it sounds like a Mission Impossible movie because it is a Mission Impossible movie, but it's not as good as a Mission Impossible movie. And the fact that they try to set it up as a trilogy meant that they stretched this first movie very thinly. That it could have been written as a standalone film, and it would have been better if it was done that way. So my main complaint with the movie is probably most apparent at the very beginning of it. The editing is absolutely garbo. It's just the amount of jump cutting. It's like if someone plugged in like a video reel to like a movie editor and then you know how you can make like cuts and then yeah, you can move yeah. the individual clips. It's like if they cut it up and all like between all the different like times the camera was pointed at someone else's face. So like if three people were sitting around 
it would just jump cut between their three faces very rapidly. Like, as soon, one person there, would speak a was... sentence, and they would jump to someone else. And then they would speak a sentence, and it would jump to someone else. And it literally looked like someone just made a bunch of cuts in the film reel, in the video editor, and never made a transition between them. And that, it was really annoying. It's funny you say that, because there was actually a scene like that in Slender. That that was, like, really Which one? jarring. They were talking outside the school... Oh yeah. Okay. And, I, I imagine that times two. It was like okay. it was like if they doubled the speed of the switching in that scene. It was really bad, and it got better though as the movie went on. That got better, and I think it's because the action scenes. The action scenes were jump cut too. I'm not gonna lie, but they weren't like this rapid pace jump cutting uh, that was going on in the first part of the movie. And the worst part was is that all this jump cutting was going on during dialogue moments, like exposition. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's already like. If the dialogue isn't interesting, which it wasn't, you're already bored, and now the camera's just constantly cutting to a different person's face over and over again, and you just get tired of the scene, and you're like, holy shit, I, 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 wish, I wish it was the next scene already. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, I'm not going to knock on his acting in this one, because I think he acted the, the part he was told to act, but I don't think it worked. I think the issue with it was the writing. So essentially, the, the gimmick with Mark Wahlberg's character, the reason why he's the head honcho of this organization, yeah, is because he's like... A super genius. So he's not the, like, agent on the ground? He is, no, he's an agent on the ground. I say head honcho, I mean, like, he's, like, the guy who leads the missions on the ground. There's a guy that's back in the headquarters calling the shots with a team of people on computers that are controlling drones and hacking stuff and shit. Yeah, and so Mark Wahlberg's, you know, big baddie calling the shots on the ground, and he was, so the character is this guy who, his brain just moves too quickly. Like, he's a super genius. That's how the movie describes him. Like, he's really smart. They show you things like all white puzzles, world's hardest puzzle. Like, he's just always solving puzzles. And the gimmick to him is that he has this rubber band on his wrist constantly that his mom gave him. And she always told him, like, whenever your brain's moving too fast, just snap it. Like, the pain brings him, like, back to reality of it. Throughout the whole movie, it's not like one of those things like, oh, he needs to snap the rubber band like every 30 minutes. It's literally every like 30 seconds. I'm talking like in the middle of the conversation, the camera will cut to his wrist and of him snapping the rubber band and then back to his face. And then like he'll speak a sentence and then he'll snap the rubber band. The whole movie, whenever he's talking, he will snap that rubber band and the camera will cut to the rubber band on his wrist multiple times. So it's a cool gimmick, but it got really annoying really fast. Um, but that was it. The re- reason why I went to go see the movie was because the guy who was playing one of the antagonists is a martial artist. I went to go see the movie with my dad, and my dad really likes this particular martial artist. Mm-hmm. They hardly used any hand-to-hand combat scenes, so th- he didn't even really shine. So they, the movie is very average. Very, very average. They, it was a very average action flick that didn't take advantage of the fact that they had a guy with a very good martial arts history. They should have focused more on that, and they should not have just assumed that this was going to be a trilogy. Because if the movie doesn't do well, it's not going to be a trilogy. And the fact that they tried to make it a trilogy means that they stretched out the exposition in this first film, and it, the movie didn't feel satisfying on its end. It, cliffhangers in the second one, but you don't, you don't feel satisfied. You're not satiated by what happened. It was just a bunch of quick-cut action scenes. It really is like something you would see on like TNT. Like or spike on the on like a Saturday or something, mm-hmm. and the, when you were mentioning Mission Impossible, that's an issue because is it Mission Impossible coming out soon or is it it's already, already out? Yeah, and it's literally a million times better. I know it's better because I know people who have gone and seen it and who have seen Mile Twenty Two as well and have said it's better. So it's got competition with you know within its own genre and it just doesn't it doesn't do what it, what it set out to do. I think they underutilize their talent. They should do more hand to hand combat. 
that's what would have separated it from Mission Impossible would have been a guy who did martial arts and with more martial arts scenes. But you, you know what I would have said if you if you said it was more martial arts? What? Sounds like the Bourne trilogy. You, yeah. And it still felt like that. It honestly really still felt like the Bourne trilogy, especially with the way they organized like the government and the way the secret agency worked and how they always had tabs on the people in the secret agency. And one of the other gimmicks in the movie was that when people die, they always go out like heroically. Like, people... Oh, I just, I'm just realizing now that the camera is off-center, but that's too bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's too damn bad. Um, everyone, like, goes out and, like, I'm on the ground and bleeding, but I got this grenade. Everyone. Everyone's like, I got a grenade in my back pocket. Boom, I blow myself up. Or, I got this pistol left. I got one more shot. Kill someone and they die. So, that got kind of cliche really quickly. By the way, Ronda Rousey's in this movie, and... She actually did pretty okay, and I'm going to go ahead and say the reason why she did okay was because her role was, like, the tough girl, you know, stern face, like, I don't even know how to explain that role any better. She's a tough girl, stern face soldier chick, and her lines are minimal, and she's only in the movie for brief moments, and that's it. She, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but uh, other than that, she fits that role way better. Instead of being, like, a main character or a character with a lot of dialogue, she plays the stern-faced soldier trick really well. Do, do you think she would have a, a future in, like, acting that kind of stereotypical role? Oh, of absolutely. Her her, no, no, that's her role. Because, I mean, she's not to be insulting or anything, but I almost feel like she's on the way out of UFC. No, she is on the way out. She so. doesn't, she doesn't, well, you, you understand, she, she, she's not in UFC anymore. She does wrestling. Oh, okay. She does pro wrestling. She's a female pro wrestler now. You know, like WWE and WWF, that's what she does now. Oh, okay. Which is acting. Yeah. So, you know, she's, she's really pursuing an acting career. So, but I don't think she's very good <laughs> in terms Spe- of, speaking of motion of, uh, picture. I think she's, she plays stern-faced soldier chick very well, and that's what she should stick to. I think she'll do well there in that, in that um, Speaking of WWE, there's been a trend online. I don't know if it's just more popular now or I'm just noticing it more, but there's been a lot of people just posting pictures of them meeting, uh, like, John Cena. Oh, well, and John at- Cena's also a big actor, too, though. Yeah, I know, but... The first comment is just always like, why didn't you take a picture with him? They'll be like, I took a picture with John Cena. And they're like, why'd you, why'd you post a selfie? Because John Cena's thing is, you can't see me. Oh, I don't know. I don't know why this has just been like a trend that I've seen like recently. I'm no joke. I've probably seen like seven or eight photos of like people recently meeting him. And it's just always the thing. It's like just beating. It's just beating huh. a dead horse. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of cool. I would want a thing where people take pictures near me or. He also or always looks pissed that someone stopped it's okay. him. Okay, so take he a has photo. RBF. He has resting bitch, resting bitch face. Yeah, but, uh, he yeah. might, but it's just it's just funny. I don't know why. I don't know why that's okay. become a trend. All those people out there with RBF, I feel terrible for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know quite a few people with that. So, so yeah, yeah, Mile Twenty Two, very. Go see Mission Impossible. <laughs> go, <laughs> go see Mission Impossible, and when Mile Twenty Two is on Spike, take a watch because it might it's 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 worth it. If you were bored on a weekend, it, it was worth it. There were some cool action scenes. There was some cool action uh, that happened. Nothing new, which is what I feel like Mission Impossible does so well is that they do new action scenes, like with new ideas and whatnot. Nothing new though in Mile Twenty Two, like nothing you haven't seen before, except the Mark Wahlberg playing uh, essentially like a guy like that's losing a marble or two. So that's pretty much it. I honestly feel like they should have just gone with um, something like if you wanted to have like a hook, especially in like this time of uh, of like our like culture, 
They could have just said like maybe he was autistic and that's why his uh, he was high functioning. Yeah, that, like he's on the spectrum. Like he's yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. that's why he he needed that grounding. Like they they could have just tied that in and then just that could have been. I a would hook. say well, I mean honestly, I would say that's what he kind of was because he was also an asshole. Like he would literally just tell people that they're garbage for no reason. Like he had no empathy. Literally, he never empathized throughout the entire film with anyone. He would literally tell people they're garbage. His coworkers, he would save someone, and they should be like, "You cost me five minutes, thanks." And that, like, like literally, that's how he acted. So I would feel hmm. I, he he might have been on the spectrum, and they just didn't go out and say. Oh, and by the way, oh my god, the amount of political like I don't even know what they were trying to do. There were these weird scenes in this movie where like they would like open up a laptop or like a computer, and then like like when they were setting they were setting up like a station to work from. And they would, like, all the people would come in with all their shit and their carts and their computers, and they would set everything up. And then they would, there would be this close-up shot of, like, a guy putting a bobblehead on stuff, and it was always, like, Trump and Obama. And they played a lot of, like, Trump and Obama sound bites, But they didn't make any discrepancy between them. It wasn't like they were trying to make a message, like, they weren't trying to push any agenda. They were just random sound bites from Trump and Obama, random bobbleheads of Trump and Obama. I guess they were trying to, like make it feel more current i guess something. both of them both of them acknowledged like sound bites where trump and obama talk about like special organizations that the government has like they had like one clip of trump saying these people can do things you know that are huge or some stupid shit like that i don't remember what the exact quote was but it was something along those lines My, it was uh, a weird movie it was weird because it wasn't it was a well, not good action flick so those are always weird the um I, if I was like in that situation of working for for that organization, and a guy walked in while we were trying to set up all this sophisticated equipment, and they plopped down bobbleheads, I'd be like, "So you took time to not only pack those, but that's what you decided to carry inside when we're carrying servers and laptops." Well, let me tell you the really weird part about that: the person who has the bobblehead has a briefcase full of bobbleheads, and it was all the presidents, like it was like nine presidents, starting from Trump going back. So like it was like a that like, was his job to carry the bobblehead. That wasn't his job. That was just what he had. He was like the computer guy. And he had like this extra. They didn't even make a deal out of it. They like it was like a close up of the briefcase open, and you saw all these bobbleheads, and then like a close up of the top of the laptop, and a hand placing the bobbleheads on top of it. And it was like, what is this? It was like, and there was a lot of moments in the movie like that where you're like, they're trying to be symbolic about something, and I don't know what they're being symbolic about because it makes no fucking sense. So it was just really, really weird. You're gonna have to move cl- closer to your mic, there, by the way. Oh, but uh, so now that you've seen it, what, out of ten, by the way, for us, if you ever listen to us review a movie, uh, a five is not a bad movie. No, a it's five. Average, a five is, is an average worth your money to go see. Like if you're if you really want to just go see a movie and zone out, five is fine. Anything above that is definitely not worth missing. So what would you what would you give it out of ten? I would say it's a five. Just a five? Yeah. I would say it's a five. And I would say that if you want something to, like an action flick or want something to do on the weekend, go like to a matinee in this. Like get the cheapest ticket possible. Like this isn't something you're going to go see like on a night Friday night or like an IMAX or anything like that. This is something you're going to buy like a cheap $7, $8 ticket for. Maybe even wait for like those discount movie theaters that show older movies and whatnot. Like wait for one of those to show it. And that's okay. it. That's how I feel about it. Do you want to talk about Slenderman? Now? Yeah, now that yeah, we, we, I can actually add to the conversation. Yeah, well, we, yeah, we both went and saw Slenderman together yesterday. So, so I, if you've been, if you're 
in the movie reviewing like craze of like keeping updated as soon as the movie comes out there's a review for it uh slenderman is getting a lot of heat for being bad but on rotten tomatoes and like imdb i think they have like a 60 or 70 percent or something like that like not as low as i would expect for how much crap it's getting for being like a bad or a b movie or something like that Well, i mean i thought it was okay i would say a five or a six is about where it's at 60% 60% sounds about right to me. The reason why, and we'll talk about it a little bit more, is because it had some good ideas that were just not executed well or good ideas that were not executed in the proper atmosphere. Like, there was some really unique stuff. So why don't you go ahead and tell me, like, how did you feel about... Because we talked about this last time on the cast. One of the issues with Slenderman and its mass appeal is that this was something that happened a long time ago. This was an internet craze a long time ago. So... um Everyone who can identify with Slenderman is, like, older now and forgotten about it and doesn't really care. And the generation before them has no idea who he is. And, of course, there was the murder that happened, so it's got a lot of negative publicity. So, uh, what were you expecting going into this? Knowing how Slender... Because we talked... What we talked about last time in the general environment involving Slenderman. So, I was kind of expecting a very cheesy horror movie. Because, I mean, it was kind of cheesy. Yeah, but what I meant is, like, because the, the whole history behind Slenderman is kind of, like, not really, like, a long-standing, uh, like, superstition, like the Sasquatch or, like, Bigfoot. Like, yeah, it's an internet craze. Yeah, so the, the history of him is pretty much just that, oh, he has the power to make you go insane or, like, you hallucinate or things, and then he kind of, like, takes away children. So there's really not a lot to go on if you're making a full movie on him. And I'm also just watching Macy just full-on murder this uh, that toy. Uh, stuffing is literally flying around the Dude, room. Dude, it's a literal, like, crime scene. She, she's kind of scarier than Slenderman was. <laughs> but, um, so, oh my god. Um, so, it, I was kind of expecting a very cheesy movie. Like, almost just kind of like, um, I'm trying to think of a, an equivalent. But, like... If you've watched Insidious, is I would say a more popular movie I could compare it to horror movie series where it's centered around like one family or group of people. I was kind of expecting Slenderman to almost like terrorize a town, like just kind of be- really. I thought it would be like I I I got what I expected. I thought it'd be a small group of kids. Yeah. Well, what I meant is like like how um. The new It. We both really liked It, and I'm not a fan of horror movies, and you're not really, you're kind of desensitized to them, so we both have these weird perspectives of them, but I was kind of expecting, like, It, where, like, there was an active, like, world around how It was terrorizing the town. Like, five people go missing, and they're like, what's going on? And there's, like, police involved and things like that, but in this movie, I, I felt like it was just really enclosed. Like, we'll go into, I, I'll go into more detail of the main flaws I had with the movie, which was, one, I felt like the pacing was weird, and the uh, storyboarding or writer, I'm not, or director, rather, uh, that kind of, like, made the film kind of feel weird. Like, the very first scenes you go into, you go through, they go through, the, the this is kind of spoilery, but it's like the first two minutes of the movie. The group of kids you're going to be following go through like a seance to summon Slenderman, and then it immediately cuts to uh, four weeks later. And I was just like, "Why? Like th- they could have just well, maybe and- it takes maybe Slenderman was on lunch break. 
Yeah, I, I guess. But I just meant like that kind <laughs> hey, of like... he's got a vacation too. Stealing children ain't an easy job. <laughs> so like that that kind of theme like go, just goes through the movie where there's this like weird kind of pacing where it's like, in my opinion, it didn't feel as cohesive as it could have been. Especially after watching the new It, which went through like beautiful pacing. Like every day in the movie felt like a full day, even though the movie was only like two hours long. Yeah, yeah. It was really... It's really interesting to compare it to It because it really does feel like It. One of the things will fit like a worse version of It. One of the things that, you know, they have in common and seems to be really popular now and everything with Stranger Things is a child cast. Yeah. You know, or a young adolescent cast, which is what the movie went for. So I guess I'll go through I'm, my some of my main gripes with the movie now too. Um, editing and storyboard, like you said, was an issue. Pacing was really weird. Uh, in terms of editing storyboard and pacing, one of my biggest complaints was that it felt like the movie really is going nowhere. You yeah. kind of like it. You could see it wasn't building towards a climax. It you could feel the climax building because of the way it's writing. You know, you know the kids are you know, they want to come together, they want to do a thing at a place, and how they get to do said thing and get to said place unfolds over the course of the movie. But you know that they're trying to do a thing and go to a place. In Slenderman, that doesn't really happen. In Slenderman, it's like they do this seance and summon Slenderman. And then shit just starts happening. And there's no real direction. There's no end game, really. Shit just is happening. And then the movie just kind of ends. Like, the way the movie ends, the, the, the twist that they try to throw in, all comes at once. It comes all at once. And that was my other problem, too, is that the climax and the twist has no build-up to it. It just happens. The, the, everything in the movie just seems to kind of just happen. And it seemed to be more of a collage of, like, scary moments with really boring interim and really bad character development. Like, the scenes that aren't supposed to be scary or the scenes with the characters are boring, as opposed to it, where the scenes without the scares and just the characters were very entertaining. And that's likely because it was carried by a much stronger cast than Slender Man had. But once again, having a, a clear cut climax makes it easier to finish the rest of the storyboard, in my opinion. So part of the, 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 the cast feeling like better to you, I think it has to do with what I would attribute it to. Hello, Macy. Um, is that, um, I felt like the world and town that they lived in was not alive. Like, for instance, in the new It, you saw the kids' parents. You saw them going through the town, and it was set in a time period which was like, what is it set in? Like the eighty, the nineteen, like the eighteen hundreds or something. Eighteen hundreds? I don't uh, think it's eighteen hundreds. Nineteen nineteenth century, essentially. I'm trying to think of when I would say it, it was, was set in the twentieth century. Twentieth. Yeah, 21st century started in the year 2000. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I yeah, but I just mean like I'm trying to think. I'm trying I to would place say, it. Because, uh, I mean, in well, it, they, they communicate. You can Google this. <laughs> yeah, just Google it while I'm, I'm saying what I want to say because the year isn't that important. But I'm thinking the, it's the 80s. The, the year that uh, Slender is taking place in, um, which they don't directly say it, but you see it in missing person photo, uh, missing person uh like posts uh in the schools and stuff like that which kind of gives you an idea of like the timeline 1989 so 1989 okay late 80s going in the 90s um so they they place it in 2018 which i think was a big mistake because the 
the world or the town, which they don't say what town it's supposed to be taking place in, just feels empty. Like you, you, you start the movie off with the main. It feels like there's literally no one but the main characters. Yes, yeah. So you start the movie off with the the main. I guess you could say the leader of the the group of girls that you're going to be following through the movie uh, at her family's dinner. And the the home, we think it's taking place somewhere in Virginia, just based off of like what you see in the movie. But the home looks really dated. Like it's an old house in Slender that the main character lives in. And then later on, another character's house uh, is like modern. Like they have like stainless steel appliances. They have redone cabinets like and everything. So it's like they say it's 2018, but then like the kids, a majority of the traveling throughout the movie i guess you could call it like that is the main group of girls traveling at night by foot like it's just it feels weird to me because it's just always that like they're always like okay we're going over to so-and-so's house and the parents are like okay and then you get there there's no parents at the person's house they're going to and like there's several scenes where that would have made a significant difference like this is kind of getting to spoilers but yeah should we do should we this this part especially will be spoiler. Okay, but so we're gonna call it right here. This is spoilers for Slenderman. Yeah. Well, it already has a really bad reputation, so I don't expect a lot of people will see no, it but anyway. Yeah. Disclaimer: but, spoiler right now. But there's a scene where the main girl finds out that she did the uh, a special seance with the main girl's younger sister, and she's going insane because of it, because she saw Slenderman. So she goes to her friend's house to like be like what the hell why did you do that to my younger sister and she finds she's knocking on the the door and no one answers this is again in the middle of the night and oh she didn't knock on that door by the way yeah and then she walks in slammed on that door (laughs) she's beating the shit out of that door yeah and then in the middle of the night no one came outside by the way (laughs) and the door was unlocked and she finds her friend trying to commit suicide on the second floor which by the way if you're not landing on like concrete yeah, you're not going to die jumping off the second yeah, floor. Yeah, you floor. probably won't, especially on grass. But anyway, that that's not that important. But I'm just like... Hey, Slender Man drives you crazy, right? So, so maybe you, she has shitty ideas. She walks into her friend's room before she discovers her, like, outside of her window. And it's just, like, all... If you don't know about, like, Slender Man, like, the games and stuff, there's all these, like, drawings of him. And it's, like, the sign that people are going insane or whatever. And it's just, like, plastered all over her friend's room. Like, it's, like, essentially scary movie trope someone's going insane they write crazy stuff draw crazy stuff and post it all over their their bedroom walls and i I, through a lot of these scenes i was just like where the hell are these kids parents did they just not once through these like five five weeks of like crazy things happening to their their kids the only parents you ever see more than once or at all was the girl the main character's parents the and the and the, the and the drunk dad who yeah, was and, the and, drunk dad and who, half the time he's on screen he's passed out yeah literally so it was just it, what you're getting at i think is that the movie didn't feel real it felt like well i mean obviously it doesn't feel real because it's a movie but it's like they failed to replicate reality essentially like it did you didn't buy it you didn't buy yeah. the atmosphere you didn't buy the setting you didn't, that's Macy's squeak toy, by the way. Uh, you, you didn't buy the setting. They didn't sell you, like, an atmosphere or a package. They sold you a story about a group of girls, and that's all you get, is a story about a group of girls. Which, by the way, I want to say that I think doing a group of girls instead of a group of, like, adolescent guys actually kind of works for this film. Yeah, I mean, I felt, I it think... felt really good having, like, 
it'd be a group of girls yeah because it, it's it's variety because like if you, even the even the Stranger Things cast originally was four guys and then in season two they added one girl character to their like group of kids. Um, yeah, it's and, all it's all guys except for one girl too. Yes, and um, so I think it was kind of like refreshing, especially because in compared to film, I feel like. Uh, television when it comes to like scary things or things like that it is group of girls usually that are that are represented by these kind of things like yeah, but are, you, that's what i find interesting too because they usually go for the teenage girl route yeah like 18 and up so they can do you know the nude shots and add the sex appeal to it but this one they went for like young girl like middle school literally middle school aged girl i think they're supposed to be high school really? like like freshmen Maybe, well, yeah, I guess freshman, a freshman in high school is essentially still a middle schooler, really. I mean, like, it makes me think that they were high school just because of the conversation they had in the very beginning of the movie where they're like, they're talking about, oh, where would you go or what age would you stay at? Their answers to that question where, where they ask each other, if you could stay any one age for the rest of your life, what would it be? And their answers based off of that question made me, made me think high school because that one of them said 10 and the other one said, uh, you know, that was a that was a good age and i was just like i can't even really remember what i was doing at 10 so that would never be my answer yeah exactly so i i, I have to say like early yeah, I high school yeah i would say very very early high school you're right so how about we talk about what we liked about it so what i liked about it was that they went f- the horror style they went for like for it they it, it like it was a lot like it honestly like they it's like it's they a took, worse version of it yes. it's a literally poorly written version of it yeah and a lot of it is about like hallucinations that only the kids can see, but it's very. Um... Well, do you know? So it pulled the, the it movie didn't really pull this off too well, but especially going off of what you just recently said. But the whole thing with it, and the reason why it's I'm sure kind of works is, and I guess this also is a test to how what your expectations for Slenderman were with it. Or, or with Slenderman terrorizing the whole town, like it terrorizes the whole town. If you read the books, this is why I say the movie didn't do this very well, but it still did it, but not well. You see the parents and the police and all that in it and whatnot, but they seem very. Macy, stop barking. She's barking at someone outside. Uh, you see the parents; they're, they're they're very uninvolved, and everyone in the town kind of seems to like not be worried because in the it movie. You see these signs for missing children everywhere, but no one seems to be in a panic or be anxious or be scared that the fifth, the sixth, the seventh child has gone missing. And also, the city, as the movie shows, has a history of children going missing. Yeah, so, so a lot of the older parents would have seen this like every year. Yeah, they whatever. would have been used to this. Yeah. So the idea that the movie's supposed to give you, which a lot of people didn't pick up on, but the book explains better is that it doesn't have just hold over the kids. It has hold over the entire town. He, It has... You mean Pennywise? Yeah, Pennywise. Pennywise has control over the entire town. Pennywise essentially has the people of age, older people, in a trance. They yeah. don't realize what's going on. That's why he's able to do what he does. He's been there underneath Derry for a very, very long time. So in Slenderman, they didn't have anything like that at all. No one in the town knew about him. It, there was no lore to it. That's why they had to do so, the seance. So, so uh, on the flip side, one thing I think that with the very, very few scenes you did see adults interacting with these kids, 
I think that uh, Slenderman did, however, do a good job showing that he's targeting these kids directly and nothing that they're experiencing is being shown by the other adults. So, like, the scenes that I'm talking about specifically were the very well-done library scene. Yeah, that's my favorite scene in the movie. It, um, it's a very heavy hallucinogen, like, mind-bending kind of thing where, like, the long, the hallways get longer, they flip, turn around, uh, like... She's standing in a, essentially a room of mirrors, but it's the library and stuff like that. That's the general theme of the horror was like hallucination, body morphing. There's a scene, again, spoilers, uh, obviously we disclosed it at the beginning, where uh, she loses her face, which I know is something that you talked about yeah, last I night. Yeah, I hate that. They, she does this thing where she loses her eyes, nose, and mouth, and nothing freaks me. See, I'm not afraid of a lot of things in horror movies, and the reason why I'm not a lot afraid of things in horror movies, I'm desensitized, I've been watching them since, since I was a kid, but there are a couple things, and this is, this is one of the pros, is that the scares were pretty good. The scares in the movie were actually pretty good. There were some pretty original ideas in it. We'll talk about another one that I really liked in a minute. But this one in particular I always really like is the no face. The loss of a face. Because it's like you have that desire. Well, you have that second nature in your body to breathe. You are you do it without thinking. You just breathe. Yeah. But you can't because you don't have an orifice to breathe through. And normally you would die because you would suffocate. So this panic of trying to breathe but not being able to would eventually end fairly shortly whereas if you have no face in this metaphysical sense like in this she has no face she is stuck not being able to breathe but wanting to breathe but also having to stay alive you don't die from it because it's yeah and and it is important um an important detail that they include every time this this is something that's in the horror movie it is an important detail that they include the muffled voice, which means that you still have, like, lungs and everything. Yeah, you're completely conscious. You're 100% conscious. You are literally trying to breathe, but you can't see, hear, or breathe. You can't do anything, but you're alive. It's like, it's it's kind of like losing all your senses but touch. Like, imagine if you had no senses except touch. That's all, that would be, forget it. That was pretty freaky. Yeah, so, the movie does the, the, that kind of horror pretty well, and it, it tries to stay in that section, um, one of the characters, so there's a scene after the, the four weeks later cut where the four girls meet up and they're like, are you having nightmares? And then one of them says, oh, well, I did some research online and this is like, honestly, in my opinion, it felt like a little too ham fisted foreshadowing, but it was like some, they make and go insane. Some they kidnap and then some they do, I forget the third one or whatever. And then, like, literally, like, probably five minutes from that conversation, one of the girls disappear. And I said this um, in our first discussion when we were, like, digesting the movie, was I felt that was too soon. That four-week cut, I felt like a lot was happening that was not on screen. Like, the girls go back and discover the character doing these things, like talking to this person online, who you later find out is a person that escaped an insane asylum and stuff like that. Which was very... done poorly too yeah i felt like they should have included all that in the first girl's experiences on screen because you go through this four week later cut and then like i said within five minutes one of them disappears and then the rest of the movie it's the three girls not the four girls and from that uh they transition into the three girls trying to essentially bargain with slender man to get their friend back and that's something and they didn't even really follow through on that because they kind of no, give no. up and they, they, they did the give psychological up. horror after that. Like, yes. It's almost like it abandons a good plot point. 
Like, yeah. It almost like it, it tries to do something of like, oh, we're going to bargain. But see, it does everything so half-assed. That's why it's so average because they it, come back to that idea later, but it works later. Yeah. So it's so it's, disjointed. We won't spoil like the absolute ending because even though it's not like a, a heavy twist or something like that, it does kind of wrap up the 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 movie like i said the few scenes that the adults are in they're not experiencing what the kids are experiencing the main girl goes through this uh stage in the hospital where she's uh, something that i've always um loved in movies especially when it's done well like um groundhog day where they're in these like time loops oh yeah and she goes through this time loop where she's like walking through a hospital and then she experienced... I hated that scene, to be honest with you. Oh, really? Why? It was too slow. I just wanted it to be over. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's fine. I, I just like... I, I'm I biased. Thought, I, I thought we got the... I thought we felt... I thought it was good. It was just went on for too long. I thought we got the gist of what was going on after she passes the table. Yeah. And they're all done looking at her. Like, it kept going and going and going. Yeah. That, but that kind of idea where she was experiencing the hallucinations... By the way, the foreshadowing I was talking about, because I got off track, happened to each of the girls. One got taken... Uh, one went insane. I thought that was kind of okay. It, it was okay, but the one that uh, quote-unquote went uh, insane, she kind of just essentially was a uh, lobotomy patient. She kind of just walked around and didn't I, have I would a argue two of them went insane. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, yeah. Also, what I don't understand is why they were so disproportionately effective. I guess they, they open up with like, oh, he can do whatever he wants. He'll take some, he'll do this, he'll do that. So I guess the, the answer to my question is going to be, well, he'll just, he just decided to do it that way. He really didn't mess with the main character as much as the other girls. Yeah. She experienced the least amount of issues. And Until the very she, end. Yeah, and whatever she did experience was like not that big of a deal. A big enough, not that big of a deal enough for her to be in denial about it, and not be a major plot point was her denial about it. Because I would feel like the stuff, some of the stuff the other girls went through, you literally could not deny. But that's something else that frustrated me too, because there was a scene where she goes through like some weird psychological thing, and she's still in denial about it being Slenderman. Like, yeah. and the scene after that, it's like, what are you talking about? You just saw some shit. And they're not like, oh, you know, I thought I saw a guy. You know, you saw like Slenderman, some dude without a face doing some crazy ass dude without a face shit so what do you mean you're oh it's, it can't be him like get out of here with that like I, that, I didn't buy that at all i didn't like the main character i thought she was insufferable i liked Ren. yeah I, I liked the girl who was going to commit suicide the most. Yeah, she honestly, we, we talked about a couple of things that could have made the movie a lot better without changing anything else in the movie, like the storyboard or anything like that. The character Ren, which was, I would, I would say she was the closest friend to the actual main character. Yeah, she was. And she, um, she was the one that was like, we fucked up. Like, yeah. essentially, she was like, this is what's going on. This is what's she wrong with us. She was the realist. She was yes, like, we, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And um, it's kind of funny because she, her character, like in the way they dr she dressed and everything, was the punk character that you would imagine was the one that would just be blowing off everything. But she was like the realist. She's like, this is happening, and we're fucked. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And um, so anyway, she literally said that too. I I, I thought that um, so when they discovered that the person online that they had been talking to. I don't even know how they finagled this into like the was, high school girls somehow uh, IP was, tracking the, yeah. the person and everything. It was really bad. Um, they found out that she was an. Uh, I told you the whole introduction to that concept was bad. Yeah, uh, it was an insane asylum like um, escapee essentially, and um, <laughs> I think a good 
way they could have tied that in, especially because there was like no parents, like I said, in the film. Like you never met Ren's that, parents. Dad here. Where where is this kid's parents? <laughs> yeah. Well, no. It just it it makes it it feel even if they don't do anything, it makes it feel like this is a, a home or something like that. Anyway, because there wasn't any parents, especially at Ren's house, who's banging on the door. You know, your daughter's hanging out the window about to kill herself. <laughs> yeah, and no, nowhere, nowhere, to be no, nowhere to be found. Anyway, um, no one in that town is anywhere to be found. Yeah, and um, so like if they had gone with Ren being the uh, insane asylum uh, escapee, yes. yes, and we talked about this. Like, so Andrew, Andrew's disagreeing because he knows what I'm going to say. Yeah, <laughs> if, if Ren's character was the insane asylum escapee, and she was essentially the instigator of like Slenderman's agent to capture kids yeah, and yeah, yeah, we yeah. thought that if they kept essentially everything else the same and ren was posing as someone that she wasn't actually right it, that would have been better right because this asylum character right is someone that the girls one of the girls contacts two no three yeah well they, three of them. yeah they contact this person you know to figure out what's going on and how they can get slender man to go away and i thought when that first happened i'm like oh i bet you when they did the seance he like possessed one of them and now yeah. he's using this he's using the internet to call, you know to stir things up like this this anonymous person is actually one of the girls messaging all the other girls telling them oh this is what you got to do to get rid of slenderman and what she, the advice she's given is really like how to get slenderman to show up even more prominently or be more dominant yeah. or actually come and get you that's what i thought they were going with it and then it turned out it wasn't and i was actually disappointed because i thought even though if i was right i would have guessed it and that's not as satisfying as not guessing it, it would have been a way better plot point. What Much more intricate uh, of a twist than the actual twist that happened. Because I don't really think it's much of a twist yeah, uh, that and, occurs in the movie. And the the thing, especially with uh, the Asane Asylum character, and as soon as they find out her identity... That's it. She stops being a character in the film. Yeah, it's Immediately. It. Yeah, it's, it's over. And, it's the last you ever see them. And it's kind, it's kind of They're strange. like, account is terminated slash deleted. It's like... What? Why? This lady from the this girl from the insane asylum has spent all this time talking to probably more people than just the girls, you know, like yeah. anyone else who's encountered Slenderman, and then just conveniently just oh we don't want to touch that plot point anymore, so her account got deleted, even though she's been super active all this time. Like what yeah, the hell? It, it was it was kind of strange. I think they could have definitely done that much better. Um, the uh, thing with with Ren, especially with her, is she had the a, a lot of screen time in between the movie, and a lot of the horror of the movie was like this body morphing thing. But there was one thing that we really liked that they both did, where we it, we both agreed if this happened to us, it would be scary as all hell. Which were these scenes where I don't know how. But Slenderman video called them oh, on their cell phone. Oh, this is the best. This is yeah. one of the best things I've seen in a while. Yeah. So he like video called them on the girls' cell phones. That essentially that he was like taking or like heavily influencing, and it would video like essentially a live feed him going through their house, just phasing through the doors. That going, was cool. Ba- like beelining to the kids, like. It was like, but it was slow. Yeah, yes, so what it was happens, slow and methodical. Like, right. So what happens is the girls get a phone call, they answer it, and immediately the phone cuts to the live video feed yes. of the outside of their house. And the, the first, the first girl was the most important because she looks out the window, sees it doesn't show her point of view, but she reacts in a way where she sees nothing, and then she's watching it phase through the doors. And another confirmation that it was her house was you saw her mom in the kitchen, who we never see again. And then 
um, you see a portrait of her dad who she had recently said passed away. So you, you confirm it's her house and then it gets to her door and stops. So she opens the door, sees nothing. And then he obviously he's a behind her or whatever, like classic. That was like kind of predictable. But the fact that you could like watch it happening and then you look and there's just nothing. And then you look back at your phone and it's still coming at you. Yeah, it was well, well done. It was it was paced good. Like it wasn't moving really slow, but it wasn't really moving fast. It was like moving like someone who was walking with intent. Yes. And the sound effects. The sound was the best part. So of we it. had a the sound we, of the, the the triple bells because they, they, they pull a lot of sound effects from the game because they want to pay you know yeah we had to have that actually to explained to us yeah, because there that. was this very obnoxious just bass boom throughout the whole movie the pretty, whole movie pretty well the only time that didn't happen was like when they were in class but essentially. even in the very beginning of the movie before yes. they even encountered the idea of Slenderman so there was that booming we sound. thought it was just like a big mistake like they were just having too much bass but we had a friend explain to us that it was because in the game once you start um like actually finding your first page and everything like that uh the booming starts just to make you feel uneasy and they they i guess that was just them trying to call back to the games but we aren't that we didn't realize it just watching the movie um so overall uh you said you would you would agree with the six out of ten right yeah i would say it was a six i would say just a four because i put a lot of value on the the storyboard like if it doesn't pace well it makes me feel awkward as a a, like as a audience member and i know that i'm slightly biased because i can get thrown out of the groove of a movie when they do these like weird cuts like four weeks later for no reason like that four weeks later could have just been cut out and i would have assumed assumed that it was the next day and nothing would have changed about the movie just those things pull me out um immediately of the movie of the like the being immersed. So I would say I would give it a four. You're saying a six. So For me, I say a six because when I go to see a horror movie, while well, I am concerned with the exposition and the storyboard and all that, because yeah. I did criticize it, I think more important is because I've seen a horror is one of my favorite genres. And I've seen a million horror movies. To me, I look for originality in the scares, and there was a couple of scares in here that are pretty original and were done pretty well. And uh, generally, the concept. I don't find slashers scary at all because the concept of a slasher isn't very scary. Just a guy who's really strong who comes yeah. after a bunch of random people. But I like because there's another movie that's similar to this in in concept, and that's uh, it follows. I like movies where the doom is inevitable. Like you know that there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Like in a slasher film, you know, oh, this guy may be supernatural and way stronger than me, but at least I have a chance of killing him if I electrify him or throw him into a vat of acid or, or I run away and get too super far away. But the movie's like It Follows and It and... Well, even in It, it's, it, you know, Pennywise so, is not infallible. In this movie, there's no hope. There's literally no hope. Like, he's coming for you and there is nothing you can do about it at all. So one one other criticism was just for me that lost it being a five out of 10 for me, like an average was just the fact that they tried to do this bargaining with slender. Oh yeah. Well, that was the main. Yeah. Yeah. And when we, when you're comparing it to the very obvious comparison, uh, that the movie is making to it, the kids originally thought that they could bargain with, uh, Pennywise to get, uh, his brother back. But it is immediately obvious to the main character about halfway through the film that ain't happening. And they kind of figure out that it's like it's up to us to like vanquish Pennywise. 
but I'm not getting my brother back. And I understand that. So they, they do a very good like switch to like, you know, this is, this is something that's happening and we understand that and we can do something about it. But my original goal is no longer possible where slender man, they kind of try to, I feel like they tried either not enough or too hard with trying to bargain with him. Right. I think the whole bargaining thing was stupid. So, I agree. So, I guess we average a five then. But I don't think it was as bad as some people were saying online. No, it's not. It's also not as... It's it's boring in parts, but I wouldn't say it's at... The main criticism seems to be that it's boring. I don't really think it was that boring, honestly. I think it was boring. I think... What I think the problem is, is that the interim, the exposition where it's just characters having casual conversation, is boring. Whereas movies like It, the casual conversations when characters are talking is, is interesting. So when there's nothing happening in terms of Slenderman in the Slenderman movie, it's boring. But when the Slenderman stuff is happening, it's pretty good. So I wouldn't say it's completely boring. And uh, the Slenderman stuff happens pretty often, in my opinion, too. So it's not like yeah. you're only getting scarce little bits that are, are so boring. We, so we average like a five. I would say a five. Um, okay. We, uh, we don't have a lot more time. but So we'll talk a little bit about well, we got of time. games uh, that we have here. So you've been playing a lot of... Um, Monster Hunter World, and I do want to hear about that because as someone who's been playing for a long time, I know originally you were kind of against the more casualization of the game uh, to, like, I guess, appeal to a wider audience um, in a way. Uh, I just really quick wanted to touch on the other topic because it's only going to be like a five-minute conversation. Um, The battle for Azeroth for WoW. WoW is famous. World World of Warcraft, Warcraft, by the way. Yeah, World of Warcraft is famous for its atrocious launches for its expansion. And I would say this one was average. A lot of people are saying that it was good, and a lot of people are saying that it's bad. It was good if you weren't on a server yes. that actually was worth a shit. Yeah. So if you're on a server that doesn't have one million people on it, it was good. But if you are on one of the more popular servers, it was terrible. Other than that, I'm really enjoying it. I know you haven't been playing it a lot because you've been playing Monster Hunter World. I have. So what did you want to say about that? Because you didn't explain too much to me because I'm assuming you didn't want to ruin all your talking points. No, I mean, okay, so I've been playing a lot of Monster Hunter World. I'm a huge Monster Hunter fan. Granted, I haven't been a fan of Monster Hunter since the very beginning like some of my other friends have. Uh, I got in during 4U on 3DS, and I've played every single Monster Hunter since, putting hundreds of hours into them. And I went back and played all the old Monster Hunter games just so I can know the roots and what I was playing. And, um... It got me thinking about the differences between Monster Hunter World and the older Monster Hunters. And the big major difference is that a lot of things were changed in Monster Hunter World to match, not match, but appeal to a wider audience. So one of the bigger issues with Monster Hunter is that it tends to only come out in Japan, and that's because it's really only popular in Japan. It originally had a release in the United States for the Wii, and it didn't do too well when it came out on the Wii, so they thought it was kind of like a failed thing, like... It was just wasn't going to take off here, but then they tried it again with the 3DS, and it did really well. So they pursued it on the 3DS here, and we got all the ports uh, translated and all that good stuff. And then they decided to come out with World. And when they decided to come out with World, it's very obvious that the idea was we need to make changes to appeal to the West. We need to make changes to make this more casual. We need to make changes to... If essentially boosts its mass appeal. And so, as a Monster Hunter, I won't say vet, but as someone who's played a lot of older Monster Hunter, I don't personally mind the changes that were made. Most of them are quality of life changes, so it actually turns out to be good for the game. 
But a lot of people are put off by the changes, and I will admittedly say that I was put off by the changes too before the game came out and I gave it a try. And by the way, I will still make the complaint that I made when I originally was put off by it, and that the game is easier than other Monster Hunter games by a long shot. Both the weapons are more simplified, the crafting system is more simplified, the monsters themselves are just straight up easier, there's no G-rank, which is essentially like a third tier, like an extra tier of difficulty that some Monster Hunter games come with. So it got me thinking about what happens or now, what... Now, before you get too far away from difficulty, um, I wanted to ask, because I'm not a Monster Hunter player uh, yet, I'm going to get a Monster Hunter World eventually, but... Um, do you think the difficulty uh, change was from these quality of life changes, like maybe faster sheathing of weapons? Uh, you get the little cat companion that can get you extra well, those healing are all items. The cat companion's always been a monster. Well, okay. it's not always a cat. They're called palicos, but sometimes it's a, another animal. So, do the you bigger think... quality of life changes are in things like there's a grappling hook now that craft that gathering I, I know to answer your question i don't think it's the quality of life changes that make it easier because like the biggest quality of life changes are things like you can gather while moving which in the, in the past you had to like stop at a node and to gather or you can craft you can set a craft list like a favorites list and whenever you get an item that makes that item it just automatically crafts it for you so you don't have to go into a menu and craft it okay. as soon as you have them in your bag of crafts so it. it's not like the monster ai has uh not changed and the game just got updated it's like that they're literally easy yes, like they, they literally don't have do, they as do many le- they do less damage they okay. attack less often they have less attacks some returning monsters from old games that were previously difficult for the types of attacks they had are gone. Like they've, cause monster hunter always has like a split. Some games are more heavy in newer monsters than others. This one's very heavy in new monsters. with very few returning monsters. And so the monsters that have returned a lot of what made them difficult is gone and not in this game. Uh, so it got me thinking about what happens to games when they change from their niche appeal to mass appeal. And is it a good or a bad thing? And are there pros and or, or is it split? Are there pros and cons to a game once serving a niche audience? Because that's what Mo- Monster Hunter served a very, very niche audience, and now it's Capcom's number one selling game of all time, more than Street Fighter. So, um, and that's specifically World or the franchise? In no, total? World. Monster Hunter World has okay. out, is the number one selling game for Capcom. Period. Oh, even over Resident Evil. It's a huge feat. Well, we'll see when the new Resident Evil comes out, whether yeah, we or not were, that, uh, that remains the, yeah, the, the case. Yeah, Resident Evil 2 remake, I, I don't think they're good. I think there was just a ton of hype behind Monster Hunter World, which is why they were so successful. But my, So what do you... So what do you think of the what do you think of the the, the downsides? So I we actually talked yesterday. We got into a, a little bit of a, a scuffle about uh, about 50, this actual verbal to- fisticuffs. Yeah, about this topic specifically, um, and I think that there is always pros and cons. Like I don't think it's so clear cut. Like I think some people that um, are very set in the way that a specific game title uh, has to function to be good. So the one that um, we were talking about was not Monster Hunter, even though it is included in this topic, was uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild for the Switch and Wii U, and um, the older Legend of Zeldas, and the new Mario Odyssey compared to the older 3D Mario platformers. And I think people that, um, it's kind of, in my opinion, rose-tinted goggles, 
uh, we had um, a friend say that a lot of the puzzles in Breath of the Wild were just so easy compared to the older um, Legend of Zelda puzzles. And I will agree, because I haven't played that much of Breath of the Wild, but I do know a lot of the puzzles in that game are very easy, but they're also very optional compared to like um, one of the more famous ones, uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, the Water Temple, where it's famously you almost need to walk through the first time through just to figure it out. Yep. And I get that it's fun having hard content, especially for people our age that have been playing games for a long time that we want more challenges when it comes to a franchise that we're used to playing. Um, but I think it is important to re- uh, remember the goals of the game when you're criticizing it, especially when it comes to this idea of appealing to a wider audience versus your fan base. And your fan base will always eventually uh, decay. Either they die, or in, in some <laughs> cases, or... Um, or you kill them because your game is so bad. Yeah, <laughs> that. Or, <laughs> or um, you know, you just, they just you can't earn their money anymore because it's just the same game again. Right. I mean, Pokemon does pretty well, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, even Pokemon has made some changes that a, a lot of the fan base has been against. Yeah, but, I know, but it's it's the only game where every iteration so outsells the previous one. Yeah, somehow still. Um, but it's just like I think, in my opinion, I'm uh my point of view rather instead of my opinion is that it is okay to change the game, just commit to it. Like uh, for instance, um, I'll think of one that I'm way way more versed in, which was um. Elder Scrolls in uh Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion uh they had a very robust like magic system that people modded the hell out of hell yeah and things like that where you could create custom spells and everything and then Skyrim was way more focused on the adventure and the uh like how grand the quest actually was you're like literally killing dragons you know so like obviously you know, that's the main focus of the game. So it was lay, way less focused on the traditional D&D RPG, and it was more focused on the adventure aspects of the game. And I think that's okay if that's the goal of the developers and that's what they accomplish. I don't think it's okay in the terms of, like, especially uh, Breath of the Wild, where they go half and half, where they try to stay really true to the idea of the game, and then they don't actually commit to the new system that they're tiptoeing into. <laughs> Macy's trying to get a toy she's not supposed to have right now. So. Yeah, no, the commitment's the biggest issue. Um, you gotta, if you're gonna make changes to the game and go a different direction, you gotta go, you gotta go all the way, in my opinion. Do you think, going back to how we started this, do you think uh, Monster Hunter World uh, was successful in its commitment to the new systems and things like that? And making it, it I don't a, think Monster Hunter World made such significant changes. It still feels like Monster Hunter. I don't, doesn't, doesn't it feel that different? The only thing is that, is that the game is easier. That's the only thing. Uh, I did. I do think, though, I think Monster Hunter World did fully commit to whatever changes they were going to make. It's which not was probably more quality. accessible. It was, it was, oh, more accessible is the biggest thing. It's definitely more accessible. I feel like you can play through Monster Hunter World at a pretty casual level. As opposed to the past, especially with the quality of life changes. But I don't know. Most people aren't even going to recognize the quality of life changes. If you were, if you've ever played a previous Monster Hunter, you're oh, not yeah. going to recognize the QOLs. So uh, I just think it's really interesting because a lot of games get a lot of flack for making changes to mass appeal. The old fans, how do you satiate them? 
and draw in that new audience you want. Because the problem with Monster Hunter was is that they couldn't build a market in the West. So they had to make changes to get more people to play the game so they could build a market in the West. But you're obviously going to be burning your old school fans who have been with you from the very beginning, whether or not the game was doing well in the West. People would import Monster Hunter all the time. I, I know people who have, I have imported Monster Hunter before. So when you make changes like that, you kind of burn your old audience in favor of a bigger audience, which looks scummy because it's for money. And, you know, I think it's not always good or always bad. I think it could be. Yeah, I think, I think there's it can, always I think pros it can and cons. Be for, I, well, not only that, I think it can be for the best or I think it can be for the worst. I think mass appeal changes can be for the worst to the point where, like, World of Warcraft has some issues with that. World of Warcraft has some things that were changed, like the addition of LFR and other stuff, in my opinion, that add mass appeal, but deteriorate the core. See, I think that's what's more important. I think it's more important that the core of the game is left untouched if you're going to be making changes. So in that case, do you think that Breath of the Wild was bad then? Because they kind of did change the core where it was full adventure. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that every change in Breath of the Wild was made for the purpose of mass appeal. In fact, I would say that the only thing changed about Breath of the Wild for the purpose of mass appeal was the fact that it was open world, because open world games are so popular. At its core, it still feels like a Zelda game, because the same things still kind of happen, and your goals are pretty similar. It's just a Zelda game in an open world, essentially. So, I think at its core, it does still kind of stay the same, and that it's not as heavy-fisted change switch to mass appeal as other things in gaming are. I can't give the example enough, which is World of Warcraft. Like, World of Warcraft has gone, undergone severe casualization for the purpose of mass appeal. But that casualization has changed fundamental mechanics of the game. Like, how characters play. Like, how the is affecting the buttons you press. When it comes down to affecting things like the buttons you press, how many you press, how often you press them, the way you press them, then I think that mass appeal changes can be bad. I'll, so. I just thought of this. I didn't put this on our notes here. But one that I'll think that I just thought of while you were saying this of mass appeal. What about card games? I felt like card games used to be a very big niche. And this is speaking of World of Warcraft. Uh, Blizzard, the people that make World of Warcraft, is extraordinarily good at bringing a niche to the forefront. And I think their World of Warcraft was the first game they did it with, bringing the MMO genre of Warhammer and things like that into the forefront of the gaming world. And the other one I think they've been really successful at was Hearthstone. I'm not a fan of Hearthstone, but they brought card games right back to, like, Something well, everyone can card. do. Well, yes. Well, yeah. I mean, it's but definitely it accessible. Card games you mean accessible? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's you no longer yeah, have to travel. Would you say it you has? Know. But would you say that's a change for mass appeal? Um, I think that they did make changes for mass appeal, mostly making it solely digital. Like, so you think the change of platform is what makes it mass appeal? Yes. Do you? Th- because Blizzard did used to have a, a TCG, a paper yes, card. Yes. Yeah. So. I guess but I can see I where think, that's coming. I think, but you don't think the game there's anything in the gameplay that makes it mass appeal? Like, I think that the fact that they designed it around being a digital format, like I said, I'm not a fan, but I can see when they do something well, enabled them to do certain things with the card game that would not be possible on paper in physical copy. Like they, Because the game is designed as a digital card game, there's some things like having animations for abilities on cards. Like It's no longer like 
Like, uh, I play this card and I deal five damage to you. Now that five damage has, like, a visual representation. So I think that they made it just more appealing because it's digital, because it's mobile. That they brought card games out of, you know, um, video game shops and comic book shops into classrooms on the phone or in the tram or things like that. I think that they, they, they did that well. And I think that they fundamentally had to change what it meant to be a card game because of it. Well, I mean, how do you think that affects things like Magic the Gathering, which is still in its paper form. It's still the juggernaut of card games. Sorry, Macy's licking the microphone now. So <laughs> I think it still has its... its Definitely Magic the Gathering still has its, uh, its dedicated fan base, and they are making a digital game. But I think the fact that they um, were successful in fully creating a digital card game, that it made more people actually play card games so it was something that was designed for mass appeal for instance like i'll take i'm looking at your poster right now i'll take another blizzard game or um for overwatch how many people do you think that they brought into the shooter genre just because of overwatch yeah probably a lot i mean i imagine overwatch was one of the biggest phenomenons like i've seen in a long time when gaming came out I mean, probably since out, when overwatch came out probably since league of legends honestly Oh, yeah. It was probably the biggest explosion in terms of things since League. I would akin, I would, I would relate it to what's going on right now with Fortnite. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say that. The Battle Royale craze right now. I mean, they're, they're trying to suck that genre dry, by the way. Mobile, computer, console, every game is a Battle Royale mode. Uh, that's gonna, I feel like it's going to... I don't know. I thought the same thing about MOBAs, but... Heroes of the Storm still found a place next to Dota and uh, League of Legends. But um, I think that Mass Appeal is how some games um, don't get stale. Like, it's a driving force to try to get more people is how game makers end up, like, But how do you strike the balance? How do you strike the balance between appealing to more people without making changes that burn your old audience so i think or your dedicated fans. so if you're going to have if you're talking about for not entirely new games but more games like uh legend of zelda or mario odyssey i think it has to have retain if it's something like uh the nintendo games that i mentioned it has to keep the characters the same fundamentally like link still doesn't talk in breath of the wild he's still essentially just insert hero of time he doesn't actually have like a character, I would say. He's kind of just the player character almost. You could kind of like project onto Link really easily. And I think that it needs to have the same actual feel. So like Mario is a platformer at its core. So you have to focus on the feel of the platformer. I don't think you need to have like huge gimmicks. Like suddenly there's a Mario Kart world in Odyssey where you're only driving cars. I think gimmicks have a tendency to be over overdone and that's how you ruin the mass appeal like let's say uh, mario odyssey has a new dlc comes out and mario goes to uh, a battle royale world like why you're just trying to capitalize on a gimmick and it kind of just ruins your game oh yeah so you're saying like the mass appeal should try to avoid fads yeah instead implement something that is just broadly accepted by people or something that's actually well thought out so like breath of the wild uh because speaking of you know Battlefield Five is is jumping on the bandwagon for battle royales. Yes, and, but its battle royale looks pretty good. Its trailer came out recently, and so does Black Ops Battle Royale trailer. So can 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 fads sometimes be a plus? 
I think it can, but it has to be not haphazard. So, like, going back to Breath of the Wild, one of the biggest complaints, especially with our friend that he had, was that it had breakable weapons. Now, they fully fleshed out having the weapons break. They made it so you're incentivized to have them break and things like that. Like, it was fully meant to be part of the game. And because of that, I think it can be a plus. It's subjective whether or not you like it. And I think it has to be part of your gameplay philosophy. You can't just have it there if you're going to have something that's going to appeal to mass amounts of people. Like, for instance, uh, World of Warcraft, the way that they made it so it was more accessible to people was that they simplified the actual characters that you played as. Like, for instance, um, Star Wars The Old Republic, when that was really popular before World of Warcraft came out, things builds were very complex to the point where you needed an online guide just to actually you know play the game at max level. So, like, the simplification can be a plus. It just not it can't be, like, two cubes running around and you press one button on your keyboard or controller. I think that it, there needs to be an actual concept to what you're actually doing. Like, if you're pruning abilities or if you're simplifying a, a fundamental system of the game. Which Breath of the Wild half did. They increased the number of dungeons, but they made them easier. And Mario Odyssey did the same thing. It did. It increased the number of moons, essentially stars, that you had to collect. But a majority of them were easy, but the challenge was there if you wanted it. It needs to strike a balance. It needs to have be conscientious of your old audience. Okay. I can get behind that. Um, I think that not everything needs to have mass appeal. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I think that for things like Monster Hunter World, it was really good to make changes for mass appeal just because... We have such little support for Monster Hunter here in the United States that an increase in audience size is good for it because I want more of it. As someone who wants to play more Monster Hunter and not have to deal with importing games and then figuring out how I'm going to get it to switch to English or whatever, uh, mass appeal can be good for that. What I don't like is when companies decide to add mass appeal when it's already appealing. Like, it's already massively appealing. Like... World of Warcraft hit its peak at 13 million players. and Concurrently, with, not just at one time. Yeah, and now with all of its mass appeal changes and whatnot, it's at its all-time low. Not to say that those changes were the cause for it being at its all-time low, but that the changes definitely didn't bring anybody in. It definitely didn't help, and it definitely didn't support uh, the decline in it. Because World of Warcraft was already so big. 13 million players is more than any MMO has ever had. So why not continue to do whatever you did that got those 13 million people in? Instead, they were like, well, what if we can get 20 million people in and wound up burning 8 to 9 million of the original 13 million in the process? So I think that switches from... Companies need to assess when it's good and bad to be in a niche position corporate greed yeah corporate greed exactly let's look at another game that's in a niche position that's you know wave dashing or anime fighters like blaze blue and guilty gear they do very very well within their circle of players they have no interest in trying to go for mass appeal and i think if they did it would be bad i think they're good because of their niche audience i think they're good because of the small dedicated fan base that they have and i hope that they never do or, try to go for the mass appeal 
Uh, we're kind of talking in circles around the the question almost. It's like, at what point does a game go to mass appeal? I think a game goes to mass appeal when it shifts all of its... Well, not all, but the core aspects of the game itself start to turn towards something that is popular with people who don't play the game already. So you're saying that, like, essentially the... If you're talking about it on like a like a investment line, the moment it starts to go on the uptick when with like players that never used to play it before, you should start considering how or, you can you can get that. Or if you want more players and can't get them, it's time to switch to mass appeal if you think it's good for your game. Like it's very obvious. So Arc System Works did a really good job at this. Dragon Ball Fighters has a lot of mass appeal. Arc System also makes Blaze Blue and Guilty Gear. They didn't make the mass appeal changes to Blaze Blue and Guilty Gear. Instead, they released a new game that had mass appeal and then left their niche games niche. That is that that is a good approach. It sounds very expensive, though. I mean, it's exp- but the amount of money they made on fighters is more than makes up the cost. Than just you know to split up their games between niche genre. And, and mass appeal genre. I feel like casualization is always an attempt at mass appeal. Always. There's no reason to casualize anything. And in terms of Monster Hunter World, its change to mass appeal was simply casualization. So it could be good or bad. Macy's freaking out right now. <laughs> yeah, she is. Um, so I think that'll be a, a ra- about wraps it up for this one, right? Uh, yep. Uh, in terms of we, our main talking points, yeah, we uh, we tried a different format for this one. Um, we got some feedback from from some friends and stuff that had listened to us, and some of the friends that we actually you know talked to about these topics um, that we mentioned. Um, but go ahead and give us some feedback on the posts yeah. that this posted. And I know today we left out like because last time we talked about like technology and stuff. That's not going away. It'll be like on some casts we'll spend time on like because. Today, we spent all the time on movies and mm. the games we're playing. But in the future, like, we might feature one less game discussion and in lieu of a tech discussion. Or we might leave out a discussion about movies in lieu of games. It's a, a general entertainment, and we, we're deciding to focus on less things at once and go, go more in-depth on them. But keep them in rotation. So we didn't talk about tech this week, but... We're, that means we'll likely talk about it next week. And if we don't do a movie review, well, there'll probably always be a movie review because we have the AMC pass now. But you can always expect a movie review and always expect a game topic. Whatever else we decide to include, whether it be tech or anything involving the world of entertainment, that'll be like the wild card that shows up when we find something super interesting. I think yeah. the next things we should definitely talk about is... Uh, how PC stuff is going because Nvidia just announced their new uh, RTX cards, and I know you're looking to buy a rig soon, so that'll yeah. be a good topic for the future. But uh, to be honest, though, when I was looking, there wasn't much tech news this week anyway. There was, oh, yeah, a, the, there, the, was a, there was a lot of rumors and stuff. Oh but... yeah. Well, the biggest thing this week is you know uh, Amazon buying movie is buying movie theaters, some stuff with some AI, and then Nvidia unveiled the uh, 
new RTX 2000 series cards. Yeah. And that was it. Which, to me, that's a huge deal. Is anything involving uh, PC hardware, especially since they said it has like a 21% performance increase. The 2080 Ti is a 22% performance increase over the 1080 Ti, which is, doesn't sound like a lot, but it's significant in terms of computer hardware. So Yeah, so we'll, yeah. we'll probably talk about that next it, I week. Guess it, yeah, I guess it depends on the speed of the news, what we, what we talk yeah. about. I would say that that's a pretty good indicator. Yeah, we're, we're trying to stay up to date, but sometimes there's just so much news and most of it is like not important or it's like a new rumor about this. And it's like a three page article about how a new programmer got added to a game. And it's like, what? I'm not going to talk about that. Um, but anyway, yeah. So give us some feedback. If you liked this format, where more. can they find us to give us? Yeah, feedback? we're going to, we're only on episode two, so once we get to episode four, we'll be on Spotify. We're still trying to get on iTunes, uh, which uh, if you want us to talk about why we're not on iTunes, let us know because that would be a rant of a... Epic proportions. Yeah, probably a 30-minute <laughs> rant, um, but we won't talk about it now. Um, so we're trying to get on that. We're on SoundCloud, and you can watch the video of this on YouTube if you prefer to see Macy. Yeah, you can go to SoundCloud youtube or facebook and type in dogecast with doge in all caps and cast with a capital c and everything else lowercase and it will it will come up it'll likely be some picture of the meme by the way in case you wanted to know or my dog macy we're gonna get artwork but that's still in the works yeah we're working Um, on getting some custom we also just added it to the google play store yeah we we did just add it to the google play store which is free yeah which is free so you can officially download the do uh, first episode of the Dogecast from the Google Play Store. Just type in Dogecast, Doge in all caps, cast with a capital C, and uh, you should be able to find it in the Google Play Store and download it there. We plan on moving on to other platforms uh, like Stitcher and TuneIn in the future as well. What about Twitter? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matthew Gallon at, at Matthew Gallon. Yeah, I don't uh, have a but- Twitter. But um, I'll mostly just be announcing that we're recording, especially when we get um, more episodes and get our audio issues fixed and things like that. We're going to probably be live streaming the actual podcast on Twitch, and then you'll be able to view it later on YouTube. Um, So I'll be doing like Twitter announcements when we get that all sorted. It's just a lot getting all the platforms situated, especially iTunes, um, to actually be able to post them. So we're almost done doing that. You can also uh, send us an email, and we'll feature any questions or commentary that we yes, find interesting yes. at uh, at gmail.com. It's all lowercase, so it'll be dogecastofficial at gmail.com. And if you send us a comment that related to anything we talked about, we will feature it on the future episode. Um, if you send us a comment that we don't like or is vulgar, then we'll probably still feature it on the episode. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> because, frankly, don't I find that more entertaining than other stuff. All right, so you'll see us again next week. Uh, I think this one's going to be going up tomorrow. Yeah, this will be going up on Monday, the 20th of August. All right, so give us some feedback. Let us know. And have a good week. Have a good week, guys. Bye.